And hey there, hi there, ho there, and a gracious good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back for another exciting edition of the Carpool Couple Radio Hour podcast, where we bring you the joy and excitement of UofL women's sports. And yeah, we might have a couple things to talk about in regards to that today. The Cardinals uh, seem to have a pretty good basketball team this year. Somebody told me, I, I'm not sure what we'll have to see on that right there. If you uh, missed last name last night's game, we're going to tell you all about it today, so don't feel like you missed a thing there. But uh, we have a full house today. Jared has decided to uh, not go to the bank and cancel loans and roll change. He's going to join us here on the podcast. And, of course, uh, Jeff and Case are with us with their 18,000 different electronic devices, all of which they work simultaneously with one hand. So it should be a fun show indeed for sure. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and start it on that a little bit, Jared. Uh, I think that we had some fun last night watching ESPN, did we not, sir? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a great night. I agree a hundred percent on that. It was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, Case is with us. Case, uh, I understand you flew down to Bowling Green to meet with somebody about a job somewhere. Were you on the plane <laughs> with uh, an unnamed coach? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> Not a fly tracker. Yeah, that 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 realm of U of L sports is not within our wheelbase here, so to speak. But it is kind of interesting that uh, we do have a football coach who seems to like the Corvette plant. That's that's what I'm going to attribute to Jeff McAdams. Well, this Jeff is uh, still in Gaga over these stats from last night. And uh, how was your week, bud? Uh, you know, it was a week. That's about the best I can say. <laughs> Ended well, certainly. Factual reporting from Jeff McAdams. We've come to depend on that. Ah, well, <laughs> you heard it here first. This past week was a week. It was a week. Yeah. We had a week last week, folks. So that is good. I'm, I'm the director of tautology for part of a couple. Well, at least we finally have a definitive title we can give you then. So that's yeah. Good. Beats all the slurs and things that we came up with earlier. That's right, yeah. A, a very good week for Louisville basketball, though, indeed. Uh, I really enjoyed not only watching the game last night, but the EKU game was quite a bit of fun as well to Jeez. partake in. And uh, as far as my week, I still have the sniffles. Sony is feeling much better, though. And, uh, hey, Jeff, I'll, I'll second that. It was a week for us, right? So we that's right. But, you know, sometimes that's... That's a good uh, good answer, given uh, all things considered, right? I'm just wondering how many times in the past you know, year or so have you not had a week? Or there hasn't been a week for you? Well, you know, there have been times when it felt like more than just a week, maybe. How about that? I don't know. Well, we'll take that for an answer then. Uh, somebody who's always up on things, though, is Case Hopkins when it comes to scheduling and Twitter information. And so we'll go ahead and throw a no-look pass to him and let him lay in this bunny in terms of those two areas. Yeah, so I do uh, I do remember sometimes to open the schedule before we get to this point. Today was one of those days, looking at it already. <laughs> uh, it's getting thinner. Um soon to be just men's and women's basketball on the schedule um on the calendar remaining for now um tomorrow women's basketball is taking on ut martin in ut martin's season opener 
Uh, that'll be in the Yum Center at noon on ACC Network. Uh, and as always, available on 790 for your radio listening. Uh, Wednesday, women's basketball opens their conference season already, taking on Duke, uh, their first of two road games at Duke. This one is at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and is scheduled to be on a regional sports network, so probably will not get to watch that one. Dang blackouts and all that fun stuff. Uh, Men's basketball on the same night is presumably still scheduled to play at Wisconsin in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That was scheduled for 7.15 on ESPN. Who knows with the way that the the rules are being (laughs) um, established and and followed for whatever quarantine rules NCAA has. Uh, If they have to wait a full 14 days, they will miss that game and would be back in action the following week. Um, But who knows? We're all just along for the ride in this crazy basketball season. Um, Schedule could be changed as early as five minutes from now. And uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, last last non-basketball event on the calendar for 2020 is football scheduled to take on Wake Forest on December 12th. Uh, no time announced, no TV announced. Um, that game, as we've talked about, may not even happen. But we'll see. Uh, the ACC kind of rescheduled everything to prevent teams from playing games they didn't need to. And by teams, I mean like, Notre Dame to prevent them from playing games they didn't need to so that they could maximize their chances at the playoff, I believe was kind of the reasoning for that. So that's where you are. That's the schedule. It's pretty short. Uh, from a Twitter perspective, I tweet as at best case scenario. Uh, some tweets about the Seahawks this past week, as always there are whenever it's a a, um, a primetime game. also tweeted yesterday morning because I was having a great morning and called the recycling aspirational garbage. But <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's aspiring to be something else. You, you got to give it some credit. Congrats to you, recycling. Do, do you I mean, have a lot of Seahawks out in Shelbyville? I mean, you're not near the ocean or anything. I just wondered why you picked them to tweet about. <laughs> you know, sometimes they just they fly over and you, just, you can't deal with them. The, the Wilson species, I understand, is popular. So yeah. Folly tweets is at Cardinal Couple. <laughs> Um, and had his tweets rolling last night. Now the basketball season's underway. A good follow there. Um, Jeff tweets is at Jeff McAdams and at Card Couple Radio. And Jared, who completely filled up your timelines the other day, uh, <laughs> tweets is at Mr. Anderson Jared when he unloaded his entire iPad worth of photos, I think. You had to play catch up. You just never know what Jared's going to do, that's for sure. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Yes, uh, so we, we've had a lot of fun, of course, uh, watching Louisville basketball. We all had a lot of questions about Keanu Smith, I think, to kind of get us underway here. You know, when when would he return? Yeah, when would he return? What was going to happen here? You know, was Walls going to use it or any? And I think those questions have been pretty well solved without a shadow of a doubt as she showed up to play at the Mohican Sun Center last night and had 11 first quarter points on the way to 21. Tying her with Haley Van Lith and a uh, yeah, so so went over to fall, no big deal, 116 to 75. Uh, DePaul said, hey, we'll run with you. Yeah. 
nope, for wrong for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, they they played two fairly good quarters against Louisville in the fourth quarter when cards were playing. Everybody, you know, including Nick Curran and Nick Evans out on the court, they did manage to outscore twenty-one to fifteen. Stayed with us in the first quarter a little bit, but then uh, it's a four-quarter game. I thought, I thought that it was very generous of Louisville to set the new scoring record and then refuse to score any more points so that you could break the, the <laughs> scoring record again by just one more point. Right. Working on rapid passing case without taking the shot. Right. Something that's very important. But They took yeah, money in that fourth quarter and missed them. <laughs> Well, yeah, forty percent. Gee, isn't that horrible? How many times have we prayed for forty percent? Yeah, they always shot forty percent. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and take it around the table. Kind of first thoughts and impressions on this a little bit. Uh, Jeff, you were actively involved in watching this one and in, in our group chat and everything else. What say you about this stunning Cardinal win? I was struck by by some of the really awesome passing that we saw. Um, you know, a couple of them that really stuck out was uh, Narika Kono from uh, from the floor, uh, literally uh, sitting on the floor, uh, made a pass around Olivia Cochran and a couple of defensive players to a wide open Haley Van Lith, uh, who, who dropped in the layup. Um, we had some challenges with uh, open layups going in, but uh, that one went, so that was good. Uh, and the other one, I think, was, was then Haley Van Lith on the other end of the court who pulled off a Shoney Schimmel style pass of, you know, kind of underneath the, the the defensive player, almost under the basket, over to I think it was Dana Evans was the recipient of that one. Um, who it put was. an easy layup there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lefty with um, spectacular unexpected passes. Where you know, where have we seen that one before, right? Um, you know, it's just some some great passing, some great ball movement, some great moves towards the basket. Um, so some great things there. There were some warts in this game, but uh, you know there were a lot of things I really liked in it. And that that pass, uh, of course, the the beautiful pass to Dana Evans was kind of a payback pass too, because you know Dana did set up Haley for a great three on the play before, just giving her a no look toss to the corner where Haley uh, found success. So uh, you know it's a payback. Yeah. You do this for me. I'll do this for you. Yeah, I was kind of laughing. I was chatting with my parents about uh, watching the mutual admiration society between Haley Van Lith and Dana Evans on Twitter. Um, if you follow them, they're they're always boosting each other up and supporting each other. I think they, they uh, have have become fast friends um, in uh, Van Lith's short time with us. And uh, you know, it's cool to see. It's great. You know, that's what teamwork is all about. That's what teams are all about. And uh, they're really exemplifying that. I think very well. 116 points for the cards. Who was the team that they had scored the most on prior to last night? That's just my Cardinal couple quiz for you guys today. They had 115 points back in 2017. Who did they put them up against? Was it Eastern Kentucky, Belmont, Murray State, or Lipscomb? Case your answer. I'm really glad that you uh, didn't. Uh, put me in danger here. I knew it was an M state from the state of Kentucky, so it's Murray State. I couldn't recall whether it was in Moorhead or Murray. Um, seeing Jared and Jeff tweet about it last night, and I think they might have mentioned it on the broadcast, or maybe only mentioned that that Louisville's previous record was one fifteen. But yeah, it was against uh, Murray State. 
Jared, Jeff, you in agreement with Casey's oh, yeah. bold prediction? Murray State, yeah. Murray State, we, answer. We, we looked it up last night, and they're sharing on Twitter as several other U of L fans were asking about it. So, yep. For those yeah, of you playing really at good. home, and if you picked Murray State, Jared, they were correct, right? Yeah, because was that Black Friday weekend? I yeah. Back then, it, it was, was Black Friday. Year. I think it was. It was actually. It was a Black was Friday my, for Murray. Uh, yeah, <laughs> women's basketball on the floor. So yeah, I remember that was a, a good season. Beat Oregon that year, all that. Yeah, certainly a fantastic. Jeff got his real card game moment, and then uh, got it even worse than he expected when they asked follow-up questions that were way <laughs> over Jeff's head. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Okay. Is that the most we scored in three quarters? Well, we've been playing quarters for a few years here, so you yes, know, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it it and let's let's be honest here. I'm 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 going to share my inside secrets. Most of those questions that I answer, I just go to the media guide, right? Exactly. Are mostly in the media guide. They're not hard to find. A lot so. of people use Twitter as Google, Jeff. Yeah. As you may or may yeah. not know. Oh yeah. Which is fine. I don't mind it. I just it's this. I, I kind of look at it and go, this is that hard to find? But okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, so a very good write-up on today's game as well in the Saturday edition of Cardinal Couple. Make sure and, and take a look at that and read that as he uh, covered it very, very well. Uh, it, hey, Jared, you know, what do you, what do you think about this team three games in and all of a sudden they're looking like an NBA squad? Yeah, this may be arguably the, the best women's basketball team UofL's ever had. I know it's still early season, uh, only three games in, and but we've we've played a top twenty opponent already, and a a team that could make a deep run in the tournament, and we blew them out of the water. Uh, and part of that goes back to just how deep this squad is in terms of the roster. You could field nearly three starting lineups in the NCAA right now. It's just wow, they're good and and they're fun to watch. Something that that really took a lot of interest in was pace of the game. We know that DePaul likes to play up and down the court and run. Guess who else does? Louisville does. Uh, They have a style of play where they're going to try and press you the entire game. The Cards did a really good job against that press, finding open teammates, breaking that press, and also making easy opportunities for close-in shots that they can score. Take a look at what Louisville did in this contest. They had 74 points in the paint, guys. Jeez. 74 points in the paint. So, uh, DePaul, the highly heralded three pointing shooting team, had exactly one in the first half. Make one. Uh, Doug Bruno says it was because of great defense, and, and, and rightfully, maybe so, but. Uh, you know, hey, one, it's not just defense. It's shooting. So maybe they didn't like the lighting in the arena or whatever. Let's go ahead and take it around a little bit on that. The, what did the cards do good in this one, Casey? Well, they shot really well. <laughs> they finished yeah. at 60%, yeah. and that was after a 40% final quarter. Um, so so they definitely did that. I, and I wrote about it today. One of the things they didn't do well was they turned the ball over a lot. But if you're looking at this game and you're any opposing team and you see that Louisville scored 116 points and they turned the ball over 22 times, you're probably <laughs> thinking, oh, no. Because 
if you can turn the ball over that many times and still have enough possessions, sure, they turned it DePaul over 20 times themselves, but Louisville had 32 fast break points to DePaul's 17. It still takes time. Right. Louisville is a high-scoring team, and obviously anybody's going to score pretty highly when they have 60 points, but this is now the third game of Louisville's season, and I think they're averaging like 100 points, which is insane. So... Uh, yeah, I think if you're anybody else, you're looking at the offensive output that Louisville put together in this game and the way that they did it. I mean, we, we're coming off of the Asia Dura era for good now, um, and we saw her score a lot of points. Louisville had four players combined for 80 of these 116 points, and every player except for one scored in the game. So Louisville's going to beat you up with uh, anybody that you choose to not guard, it seems like, and that's that's danger for every other team that Louisville's going to face this year. And, and getting back just to the turnovers real quickly here, it, it was a team effort on those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Every, everybody had one except for Nia Green. <laughs> so, you know, that's a, you know, uh, Dana had four, but well, Dana, you're always going to get high risk, high reward. She made so many good passes and had seven assists in the game to lead Louisville in that category. We'll take a few turnovers out of her. But uh, certainly 22 is high. We don't want to do 22 against NC State or Virginia Tech. Certainly it was okay against DePaul last night. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You look at the turnover column on the stat sheet, and, and none of the numbers are very big. Like you said, number you know four is the highest with Dana Evans. Like, that's not a bad outing individually for any of those people in turnovers, but cumulatively, you end up with 22. That's not great. So, yeah, that that would be the one big thing really to pick on here, I think. Yeah, I was surprised to only see one from Haley Van Lith, uh, just because there was one that stood out to me, and I think it ultimately didn't get credited to her as a turnover, and it was probably credited to whichever pick she was trying to throw the ball to, uh, as well as probably a couple of the other turnovers from the bigs is that was just a it was a whip pass inside it was gonna be yeah. an assist if it was caught uh it just bounced off the hands and that's the kind of thing right. that you'll take in game three because in game 13 they're connecting on that and that's right. that's the type of vision you're looking for from a freshman point guard no less to find that and be able to make that pass i mean it was there that one in particular was right there just off the hands and goes out of bounds um and so she only finishes with one assist and one turnover, Haley Van Lith, but you know, I think she was robbed of a couple of assists just because the connection was just off on that final pass. Yeah. Bring, bring in all, all the former players that played with Shoney Schimmel so they can run a clinic on how to receive those passes. <laughs> you expect, though, to, uh, with a fast-paced offense, to have a, a high turnover rate at points. You're yeah. looking to move the ball up court and, and get those fast-break points, and sometimes those passes get intercepted or you just – Throw it a little out of reach of, of one of the players as you're trying to anticipate getting a, up the court real quick. And Jeff Walls in his pregame talk simply informed the team first one to 100 wins, and we certainly did that. Yeah. Well, well. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of talented freshmen, though, let's let's give credit where credits due to Darianne Rogers for DePaul, playing 27 minutes, picking up 25 points hitting 12 out of 15 of her three throws. How about that? And going six for 12 from the floor. Uh, kind of a, a player that we didn't expect would 
jump in there and do wonderful things against the cards. But I think she was a high point maybe for Doug Bruno to look at and say, hey, this girl's got game, guys. Uh, thoughts on her? It's good to uh, see a player that will step up in times of need. And and when you're facing a top five team and a program that's been historically great for past years, to have that confidence to, to just go up there and, and attack them and do what you can to keep your team in the game for as long as possible. And she had some very, very nice looks, too, in there, unfortunately like the rest of the DePaul team, couldn't quite find the range from three-point land going one for six. But if you you back that out, her other shooting was pretty decent when you figured she was five for six on shots that weren't three-pointers. So give her credit for that. Uh, and, and, and DePaul is a good team. Let's, let's start there with this discussion. This is a team, like you all mentioned earlier, had almost 130 points in their last game. They're a team that plays in a conference where, save maybe UConn, they're going to be one of the top teams in the Big East, okay? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think that the cards are going to uh, look at this one maybe a couple months from now and say, hey, you know what? We beat a darn good team. We beat them by a bunch. Somebody That's flying a-, a model airplane. Yeah, that, that would be some work going on at my neighbor's house right outside my window. Is there a horde of bees outside your They're house? coming for yeah. Jeff. No, it's it's a saw, I think. Is yeah. Sorry. Just open the window and yell out, "Hey, I'm on air! Shut up!" Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. Just wondering who who's got the horrible feedback on this. Book? Yeah, that's Never that's mind. coming from me. Sorry, I don't know how to filter that out. So. But uh, certainly, I think we'll look back at this one later on down the road when they're they're heavy into ACC play and, and say, you know, DePaul is a pretty good team. Look what we did to them. How do the cards kind of keep this in check, though, guys, as they get ready to play a very good team from Tennessee Martin on Sunday? What does Walls do to them to kind of keep keep their heads on the and their feet on the ground? George? You run film on twenty two turnovers. I think you also run film on the game the night before where South Carolina got beaten by NC State and saying, hey, you're not invincible. If you go out there and you don't play your game, if you don't execute well, if you, you know, have a, you know, 10 points in the third quarter like South Carolina did or whatever uh, or less, you're going to get beaten, right? So let's not let this go to our head. You have to deliver that message clearly. And, and I think that's right. I think Walls has got to point it to them. Hey, we had way too many fouls in this game. You take a look at the numbers on that. We had 31 fouls compared to only 15 fouls for DePaul. Fouling way too early in DePaul's offensive progressing as well. Uh, you know, the ball is in bounds, and, and then six seconds later, you found somebody in the backcourt. you got to kind of stop stuff like that. Certainly the turnovers is something Walls can, can talk to him about. But, uh, Jared, 11 blocks again. Have we got a bunch of seven-footers out there or what? Holy cow. You'd think so. I think we hit nine before halftime, and, and in terms of blocks, we really slowed down in the second half. But I think we forced more turnovers going on in the second half other than blocks. But that, that's a good way to – to keep a, a team from scoring, just block the shot every time. Because I remember 
Uh, last night you you watched down in the down in the the paint and Kono is getting blocks, and I think Haley Van Lip may have gotten one in there at one point, and it's just it's nice to see the team being able to to read the opposing player as they're gearing up for a shot and have the patience not to go up too early and, and draw a foul, uh, but kind of like wait back and let them come to you and then go up for the block. I, th- I think it shows a lot of maturity and patience, especially for a team three games into the season. I don't recall which DePaul player it was, but when she drove, she drove against Haley Van Lith, and Van Lith just stood her ground, and then when she went to shoot, just reached up and smacked it down. <laughs> the player was, like, appealing for a foul, and Van Lith's halfway down the court, ready to make another yeah. pass. Like, it, hey, she blocked you straight up. It was not a good effort from you offensively, but it was a great defensive effort from Van Lith to not foul when she did have a couple of, of head scratchers um, in the paint there uh, as far as fouls go. One of the head scratchers for me is when uh, the illustrious Miss Van Lith was whistled for a technical foul, a technical foul, uh, ostensibly because of something she said. But uh, that's, you know, I don't know how much that is to her character. Jared, maybe you've got a little more in this case. Maybe you do. Was it just a slip of the tongue here? Yeah, it's. From what I saw watching some replays and then what a couple of people shared on Twitter, when you slow it down, I think she she wasn't happy with the call. She did not stare down the ref at the time. It was more she's turning to, to walk down court, uh, getting ready to play defense. And, yeah, a little slip of the tongue, probably more talking to herself than anything. And so, the, you know, that that's BS. And it was enough. I think as Kate's mentioned in our group chat yesterday, it's you're not going to have as much wiggle room to – to complain about calls when you're up by 40 points. I know you've heard worse than that down there on the floor taking pictures of. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard way worse. And and honestly, basketball is one of the more tame sports in terms of what, what gets set out on the court. Uh, Soccer has been notorious for, for bad words. Football is notorious for bad words. I, I don't think it really warranted a technical, maybe more of a, a warning, especially early in the season, just be like, Hey, no, we're we're not doing that. You're up forty. You know, you don't need to be arguing and complaining about calls. So just kind of let her off with the warning, or or go over to a coach and just let him know, like, hey, if she does this again, it's going to be a technical. Because I didn't think it was worth the technical, and I want to compare it back to the Final Four a few years ago, the little slap on the floor. I didn't think that warranted a technical either. But in the end, it's what the official calls. And they're the ones that run the game, so what they call and what they decide is what's going to happen. Yeah, I think Game State played a big part in that, like I mentioned last night. That's just one of those situations. You scored 100 points in three quarters, you're up 40. I mean, like, let it go. You got called for a ticky-tacky foul, but that happens. It's it's not game-changing, and the ref is not going to be lenient in that situation. I mean, you you just you can get away with saying stuff like that when – it's a close game and the ref's going to be like, well, you know, sorry, I called it, get over it. But it, the NCAA to its credit tries to promote good sportsmanship. And when you're in that game state and you make a ticky tacky foul and you get called for it, you got to just let it go and you can't let it compound into what it did, which you can't give away technical fouls. It doesn't matter if you're up, up 40 or up, too you know you can't you can't put yourself in that situation and 
you know, I'm sure she'll learn from it and <laughs> say things a little quieter or not look at the ref when she says them, even if it was a cursory glance and yeah, we'll move forward. I, I don't, I don't think it says anything about her character or as a player or a person. It, it just, <laughs> I'd say every single athlete of all time has cussed about something the ref called against them <laughs> at some point. And in, in equal access, uh, DePaul was whistled for a technical two when the highly heralded Sonia Morris uh, got a little bit perturbed at her three of 17 shooting and the fact that Dane Evans was having her for lunch and brunch <laughs> and uh, had a little something there. But uh, this is an occasion on, on Haley's technical where I think if she'd been wearing a mask, she would have been okay. Okay, maybe just whatever there. But the, uh, the cards, and Jeff, you can go into this a little bit more. The, the cards just came at this team in waves last night. It didn't matter who was out there on the court. The intensity never wavered. It was it as if they were playing in a closely fought five-point game in the fourth quarter the entire game. The intensity was incredible. Uh, even in the fourth quarter when, uh, obviously, the non-starters were out there putting a lot of numbers, Jeff, this team still looked sharp, and they were passing the ball well. Yeah, I, I think early on you look at it as well. Okay, you've got a we're going up against a top twenty team. This is our first big test of the year. Um, you know, we've got to come out. We're on national TV. That helps, uh, at least until TV got bored and switched them off to, to the second channel. Uh, but you know, they, they come out there and they're saying, okay, we've got a test. We've got to be up and ready and 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 play our best. Um, you know, and they do. They they execute on that and they start getting up big. Uh, particularly in that second quarter. And then all of a sudden, it, it's now just everybody's out there having fun, smiling, laughing, um, having a ball out there. And I think that builds on that energy um, to go out there and just say, hey, okay, let's go and have fun now. And at that point, I think you you have a, a factor of a, kind of a facet of it where everybody's trying to get their contributions in. Uh, not necessarily scoring, but other ways as well, right? As this team is a very unselfish team. Um, yeah, I, I think just the, the everything kind of fell together in the right right way for that energy to be kept up. Also, credit the fact that we've got you know 972 guards coming off the bench. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> you can keep fresh legs in there and, and keep going, right? And there's as we were talking about pre pre show, there's no drop off in quality really. Um, it's yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch because of all those reasons. I think Jeff Walls is, is well qualified to go on some type of variety or talent show with the way he's been able to juggle this lineup and keep everybody happy with playing time so far. Uh, that could possibly change when we get into conference play. That remains to be seen. But right now, it's a yeah, all hands on deck. All hands are doing well. So we got to love that so very, very much. Uh, uh, let's brag, brag on, on the posts a little bit here. Liz Dixon, Olivia Cocker, and even let's, let's talk a little bit about the effort that Ramani Parker had out there, guys. Uh, for a team that was supposed to be a question mark in the paint this year, I have no question marks about them at all. Uh, what say you guys? Um, I'm from how they played these first few games, uh, looking at how they've stood their ground in terms of blocks, rebounding. Rebounding actually has been quite excellent these first three games. I, those concerns that we talked about in the post early on this season, uh, 
don't really appear to be concerns anymore, which is comforting. Uh, I think once we get into ACC play and and we face a, a few tougher teams such as Florida State and Syracuse, we that we may see some struggles in, but there's also plenty of time to grow and develop before some of those games too. Yeah, I think Olivia Cochran is every bit as good as advertised uh, and better. And if Louisville's going to play a, a small lineup with you know just one big, it's her spot to lose. And I think we saw that last night when Liz Dixon didn't put a foot wrong in her short time um, going 6-6 six six from the floor and picking up four rebounds and still was sub back off um, to make way for, for the hot hand in Olivia Cochran. So I think that that's her spot to lose, which is unfortunate for, for Liz, who has been putting in the work, you can tell, this offseason. Um, but it's just the way it is. And if Louisville gets into a situation where they need to put two bigs on the floor to to compete with another team that's that's got two good post players, then I think Louisville's in a really good position to do that. Yeah, let me expand on that stat a little bit. You talked about uh, Liz, Dixon, Liz Dixon going six for six from the floor. That trio, Olivia Cochran, Liz Dixon, and uh, Romani Parker, went 17 of 18 from the floor, right? They missed one shot from the floor. and near, Basically, all of that was in the paint, as you might imagine, with them, um, or nearby. Um, yeah, I mean, they did. They were shooting the lights out, Um in, in their role, and all, th- all three of them showed out and, and showed that they're capable of handling that role. Um, so that's it's great. You know, we laugh about how many guards we have, but you know, we've got several bigs, and it's good to see that all of them can step up and play well. I, I was so impressed just watching this thing last night, the way that Liz Dixon has finally understands it, finally gets it, that you don't have to throw the ball as hard as you can off the backboard or rim to make an effect and make it go into the hoop. Just lay it back up there nice and gentle. Use a little kiss off the backboard, and it will go in. And I think it was something that she's really worked on this year, all the way going back to March and and April, a a big effort by her to uh, put a little bit of touch on her putbacks and, 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 and she had the time to do it as well. You know, obviously against a smaller team like DePaul is, there wasn't the added pressure of having to try to negotiate against a 6'2 or a 6'5 post player to put it back in. It was basically, okay, the ball is falling in my hands here. I'm just going to lay it back up real nicely and put it in the basket. So very impressive with Liz, guys. Very impressive with Liz. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some of the other things I think we can we can talk about this game. And we, we, there was an, another game earlier this week, believe it or not, as much as we talked about this one. And we'll get into that in just a second here. Louisville had a 51-point lead, guys, in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you break this down, has Tiana Smith worked her way into the starting lineup after last night? But kind of bat that around a little bit. Alana Smith did not have a bad game. She started it, played 15 minutes. She ended up with five points. But a big stat on her is that she was in there and had three rebounds. And, uh, you know, Alana Smith went in there and hustled quite a bit. Do you replace Alana with Kiana? Man, I don't know. Uh, it's one game. Um, 
and you want to maybe see what what happens over time, but I think you add it. You need to add into that from the perspective of coach. And we've heard him talk about this in the past numerous times. Is that it's a lot about how people perform in practice, right? Because that's the track record that people really establish, uh, players really establish more than game uh, effectiveness is also practice effectiveness leading up to it. Obviously, as you go throughout the season, you have more experiences in games. If somebody's doing great things in practice but can't perform in the game, then you start looking at what's going on there. But, you know, I don't think that's really going to be the case here. So I, I think there's a there's a pretty good argument to be made for that. Um, we'll see what comes of it. Um, I'm not sure that ready to make – I would be ready quite to make that switch yet, but she certainly uh, looked pretty good. I think, I think there is some benefit or – some value to having uh, a sixth player that can perform at starter level. Um, if she's comfortable doing it, you you see Keanu Smith had starter minutes last night. She played 22 minutes, which was third most on the team. She had starter stats. And if she's happy coming off the bench, there there's nothing wrong with having a player that can provide that kind of spark um, to your lineup whenever you need to make a substitution. Uh, say you've got a guard that's struggling with fouls early in the game and you need somebody to come in. She's going to be right there and she's going to provide no drop-off like we've talked about. And the other guards on the team can do that as well, but she showed how effective she can be off the bench last night. And if that's something she's comfortable with, then I don't know that you need to try and muss up your starting lineup that did perform well. Um, the starters played well and it, there's just I find so much value in, in a good sixth player there's a reason that there's an award for it in all the in all the professional leagues the the first player off the bench can be so incredibly dynamic and and can flip the game on its head um, whether you're just bringing them in to completely punish a team that you're already beating or or to turn things around if you're struggling yeah, yeah you could where are you going to go here? Oh, yeah. Well, you could take this back to Dana's sophomore year, the year she won the sixth player of the year award. And there was several times in some of the post-game uh, press conferences that Walls would talk about she added a, a nice spark off the bench. And at the time, sometimes she, her getting a couple minutes to, to see the flow of the game and the pace of the game helped her better because she was riding behind AC and Asia Durr that year. Um, we saw how effective Dana was that season, even though she came off the bench and several times she got those starter minutes and she put up starter numbers all across the board. So I don't think it's an insult at all to, to have to come off the bench during the game. Like if you're, you're doing your job, be the team player and then just do what you got to do. Yeah. And I like going back to 2009, 2010. Of course, that was the year after, uh, we had went to our first Final Four uh, in St. Louis, and and we had injuries galore on the yes. team. We had limited availability of players. Uh, I think at one point we were down to an active uh, active roster of seven players, um, thanks to injuries and other other people being out. Right, and and Coach Walls was pulling people, you know, almost out of the stands, and and, and literally, right. He went to Gwen Recker in her sophomore season, playing volleyball. Uh, and said, hey, I need you to come play basketball for me. I need a big that can get in there and, and jump and play. And 
I don't need you to come to practice. I don't need you to, to do any practice. Just show up for games and play with us. And she did. You know, she, she had started out her freshman year as a dual sport player. Decided she didn't want to play basketball anymore. Was sticking with volleyball. Walls went to her and, and pressed her to, to, to join just for the sophomore season to help him get through that season. And so Gwen Rucker came over and she started, right? You know, she started ahead of Keisha Hines, who was a very fine, big player for us. Uh, and, and I remember in one of the interviews, Wall said, Keisha plays better when she has a minute on the bench at the beginning of the game to see what's going on and get settled into the game. When she starts, she doesn't play as well. So he would start Gwen Rucker, and then after a minute or two, Keisha Hines would come in and play the bulk of the minutes. Gwen played a fair bit. Um, but I remember that, and so I remember that, you know, coming off the bench, being a sixth player, man, sometimes people just play better that way, and that's fine. Go for it. You know, we way frequently talk about Walt saying it doesn't matter who starts, it's who finishes. That That is the important thing. And that's a very good point indeed, sir. Uh, one of the things that hit my memory banks as, as I was watching Smith out there, Keanu Smith out there, was that a, a statement that Jasmine Jones made last year. Jazz, of course, was a, never at any type of hesitation not to talk. And Jazz yeah, always oh, oh, short of words. Yes, <laughs> just a very shy and reticent and in yeah. the corner. And then, you know, I, I, I heard her say, why am I excited about playing? Why am I excited about getting that on the court and taking on other teams? It means that I don't have to be guarded by Keanu Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Those two had some legendary battles in practices last year when Keanu was on her redshirt season. And so for Jazz, it was a relief. Hey, I get to go up against somebody else except this girl is going to make everything so difficult for me. So, uh, Keanu, we're very happy. Uh, and that I, I'll, I'll say that respect continues to this day. Uh, you know, even last night during during the game, Jasmine tweeted, "I feel like such a proud friend seeing Kiana hoop like this right now." Absolutely. Right? Um, this like this was last night during the game, and, and got response from from Kiana as well back towards Jasmine Jones and mutual respect there. So, um, yeah, you know, this you know, it feeds off itself, right? When you have good players. They were supportive of each other. We go back. I go back to the teamwork idea, um, and supporting each other and being and cheering for each other, and that builds. That's that's a great uh, situation to be in. My stat of the game, and this comes directly from the stat sheet, happens to fall on the DePaul side of the ledger, where they had a player play seven minutes, number thirty-two, whose first name is NAD. Question mark, question mark, GE. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to interpret that, Jeff, uh, but uh, certainly good job there, scorekeepers, on you know, <laughs> giving this girl a permanent alias now. Nod, huh? Gee. Yeah, so I suspect that that's uh, some letters in her name that don't appear in the uh, English American Latin alphabet. <laughs> and some system didn't handle that well. Um, okay, it's not even it's not even that bad. It's just Nadege, right? It's it's, it's just it's no E with than, an accent. Right, it's no different than our Nadege, other than accent. I think they were yeah. just wondering whether she actually got into the game or not. <laughs> there's a, there's a sh yeah, there's a shocking number of uh, you know technology systems out there that don't handle those 
those character sets. Um, you know, I have a former coworker who was tweeting just yesterday about a, you know, buying something online. She couldn't enter her last name correctly because she has a diacritic mark on, on the O in her last name. I mean, it's this is you know, to the company came back and said, well. Our systems handle it fine. It's our shipping company that doesn't. You know, it's just like this com- interconnected mess of systems that impact us. Sorry, I'm going off on a rant from technology. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Interesting factoid number two off the stat sheet. I wonder how heavily Sam Purcell and the crew recruited number 14, Hannah Purcell, who played for DePaul. Right. Was there an intense effort to get her on a roster so Sam could maybe or typically sneak onto the game in that uniform and going, hey, I'm Purcell, going in for a <laughs> Purcell. So I don't know if there's any relation there or not. Purcell, a fairly common name, but we'll see on that. So let's go ahead and, and, and kind of put this one to bed with a nice comforter and tuck it into the pillow real nicely and just drop back real quickly to the game that the Cards actually played on Sunday against Eastern Kentucky. A game where well, we saw some kind of similarities in that Eastern Kentucky stayed with Louisville in the first half of that game, but the cards progressively started scoring more and more, kind of blew this one out of water. It was a, a, a game where the first off the bench was Elizabeth Dixon, who came through and had a very nice game for the cards in that one as well. The cards had four in double figures in that game, and a stat that really stood out to me in this game is that Louisville held EKU to 33% from the floor and 26% from three-point shooting. Uh, thoughts about that EKU game, guys? Stop me if you've heard this one before. Dana Evans, 20 points, seven assists. <laughs> Haley Van Lith, 20 points, one assist. Like, these two are just, they have to be terrifying. To, to see Haley Van Lith and Dana Evans, you're like, like, what are we doing here? Why do we have to deal with this, says any other team that has to play that guard tandem. It's insane. If coaches aren't drinking in the ACC right now, they'll soon start. Yes, indeed. But uh, that, was, that was a good game in the Astro Court. Once again, Walls put in a lot of players in a multitude of combinations. I think everybody had at least 12 minutes in that game. Everybody had at least two points as well. Yeah, and everybody, I think, scored in that contest, too, if, uh, except for team. Team did not score. No points for team. No. <laughs> yeah, team did not score. Although team did have a turnover and two, and two rebounds. rebounds. So. Stuff in the stat sheet here team. is team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you bring in team late in the game when the rest of the team's done. Uh, some of the aspects of this 101 to 50 Eight win for the cards over EKU. First of all, it was just great to see Sam Williams back on the court, guys. I gotta gotta talk about that. To see her back out there, masked up. Yeah, sure, everybody is these days, but uh, she's a little more demonstrative than we remember her as a cardinal, eh? <laughs> yeah, she's always uh, been a fairly quiet person. Uh, of course, they kept sharing in the past. My father was uh, one of her teachers in high school, so uh, has known her from a number of years and. Uh, um, she was a fantastic student as well, for what it's worth, uh, but very quiet, uh, very reserved, always was, always was on the sideline at UofL. You know, the the role of being a head coach calls for a little bit more um, outgoing, a little bit more gregariousness. She's apparently having a lot of fun with TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, so I haven't seen those. She posts some stuff to Twitter, but 
Yeah. Um, she makes good use of social media, which I'm sure helps with recruiting and outreach. But uh, yeah, and uh, I think she's she's learning to be a little bit more outgoing and gregarious in, in that role. Um, can certainly identify with that in, in, in my own life. So it's good to see. I have to agree 100% with that. It's good to see Sam in a position where she can actually say, hey, this is my program. This is what I'm going to try and get done. And uh, I'm, I'm taking blame if things don't go well. But I think it's a team that will do well. I think that she's building it the right way. She certainly has a very, very talented freshman in Amara Steele. We had 11 points for them against the Cardinals. And I think it's going to be a team that uh, will make some noise in the Eagle VC. Uh, a team that uh, I think Sam is trying to build around her own philosophy. And that's got to be a good thing for Jared. Uh, what, you were there. You were actually down there prowling the court for this one uh, on the floor. Some of your thoughts about the EKU game? Yeah, I got a chance to talk to just one of the, like, the EKU videographer people that were there. And he was talking about how they they love Sam there. She's excellent. The atmosphere, just the change has been great so far for them. I think that speaks volumes in terms of Sam Williams and what she's doing. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think he mentioned that only two players on their roster are from last year's team. So Sam Williams is building a completely brand new team right now. And it takes time to get those players to gel and mesh I get used to each other, get used to the coaching staff, understand the new system. So they, there's a long way to go. But the players really like Sam Williams. The coaches like Sam Williams. Uh, they, they're they trusting to her philosophy and what she's wanting to do. And you could see that even down to the final minutes of the, the game last week that they were running exactly what she wanted them to do. Uh, and they still looked confident out there, and they were still working hard. At no point did I ever see them give up. Uh, so, and a lot of that I think has to go off of what Sam Williams is doing as a coach, and in just their first couple of games, that's that's a big statement to make. Foresee good things for Sam down the road for sure for them, and I think they'll have an impact on the OVC this year as well as they continue on with the. As Jeff Wall says, it's a blessing any time that we can actually step on the court and play in 2020. Okay. And I think that pretty well sums it up with the uh, the COVID virus that's out there. Record highs on that. But speaking of the OVC, the OVC is coming to town this Sunday. A little bit different school in Tennessee Martin. A return of Sagan Robbins. Certainly something to be excited about, I think, as far as things go for that. And it's kind of just kicked that around a little bit there, guys. Uh, before we before we get to that completely, I did want to point out to you, <clears throat> two of our favorite referees in the whole world were up in the Mohican Sun Center, Jerry Abramson's best friend, Eric Bruton, and also <laughs> Silly Joe Vasily was out on the court, and I think it was Silly Joe who actually teed up. No, no, it was Bruton that teed up, uh, but uh, Silly Joe making his calls. Where he writes his name on every water bottle that he's ever had, just to make sure he knows it's Joe Water. <laughs> okay, fine, good. Uh, UTM picked to finish first preseason. OBC. Uh, Jeff, does this team scare you a little bit? I always uh, want to be careful with UTM. Um, 
you know, we, we usually put a pretty good win on them when we play them, but they sometimes will show up and, and, and play a team really close. They're definitely in kind of that mid-major, low-mid-major sort of, sort of range of teams. Um, but coming off of a big victory like we just had, you know, scoring 116 points, there's going to be a little bit of a um, um, exhale sort of factor going on, so I'm a little worried about that. So, I, you know, have a little bit of trepidation. I think if the team shows up and, and plays what they know they can play, then then I think we'll be fine. But uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about a, the mental state going into it. It'll be their first game of the year, Case, and let us not forget last year down in Martin, Tennessee, where they took the cards to a double overtime before finally falling to them. They've got a lot of starters back from that team, and we also get to see Sagan Robbins back in the KFCM center case. Yeah, the you mentioned last year's game. Louisville's played uh, UTM every year since they started the series in uh, 2010. Uh, Louisville's won all nine of those games, uh, so they'll be going for ten straight um, <laughs> and every every winning every game in the decade. Uh, Sagan Robbins is projected to start for the team tomorrow, according to their game notes, uh, as well as two preseason uh, all OVC team members in Chelsea Perry and Maddie Waldrop, who were both on the first team all OVC last year. Uh, yeah, I think it's really tough to say uh, if Louisville hadn't just played a top 25 team. And, you know, we don't know if DePaul's going to finish in the top 25. They were p- picked to finish second in the Big East, uh, projected to finish second pretty strongly. So we'll see if, if last night was... Uh, really indicative of of DePaul or Louisville's standings but before last night I would say yeah this game is is pretty scary because Louisville hadn't played someone that was a known commodity but after last night man Louisville Louisville just looked really good against a team that everybody thinks is going to be pretty good and UT Martin's nobody to slouch at um this could still be a a pretty tough game but oh boy it's going to be tough to find a team that scares me if Louisville can continue playing the way that they did last night and have so far this season and, and Jared, you'll be down on the floor taking photos for this one. I'll be up uh, in, in the dungeon area up in 119 where they've got the media this year. But you you got actually a couple of requests for specific photos from UTM, correct? Yeah, so UTM uh, will not be having their photographer on the floor. They're bringing some, some of their in-house media uh, but their photographer will not be on the floor, so uh, that's one of my assigned duties is to photograph the other team as well as women's basketball this year. My photos actually get basically sent out to the entire ACC and any uh, media site that wants them. So uh, a lot of those, such as like the Crunch Zone and Cardinal Sports Zone and all these other uh, UL sites that we're, we're familiar with that we see at these games, Paul, uh, they, they're going off of those. But it, it's nice to see that the opposing team is requesting certain players, and one of them being Sagan. It, Sagan's first year with them, so of course they don't have anything of her in Jersey yet. Uh, that'll be a good one. Uh, a couple of other star players, you want to get some early season pictures in case they do have a, a solid year. You want to make sure you've got pictures to send out there and, and spread around and, and feature them. So it, it's kind of nice that uh, people are relying on me. It's it's a weird feeling, but it's doing this. Uh, I've got to ask, ask you the question, too. Did they do 
any adjustments or any improvements upon the media entrance to make it larger so you could get your head through the door when you show up for games now with this new family body you got. Maybe yeah. Gonna have to to get a, a helmet on my head to protect it. So good <laughs> just 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 wanted to check on that. You know, I mean, uh, should be fun. Uh, UDM scares me, even though it's their first game of the year, and I don't want to sound like a worry ward, but they played a very good Louisville team, very close last year. Uh, maybe this team. I, I don't think that UTM will make the mistake of trying to run with us. I do expect them to try to kind of slow down the pace, control the effort a little bit, maybe lapse into the zone a little bit. Very, very smart coach down there, one of Wallace's close friends. Uh, Jeff, what do you think here? I mean, this is this uh, it's it's the great unknown because they haven't played the game yet. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the on the running uh, in, in the pace. I think if if EPM tries to run with us, then we may set another scoring record. Um, I, I, I doubt they're going to have uh, the the conditioning and the depth to be able to, to play at that level. So they're going to need to slow it down. They're going to need to, you know, I think playing out into a zone is is uh, you know force the team to to shoot from three. I mean, EKU tried it some and it didn't didn't work there, but. I think we've demonstrated a little bit of weakness in shooting threes on this team. And, and so I think that's a, a tactic. Maybe you try and see how it works. Uh, yeah. It's, if we can break them out of that zone, I, I think it's going to be a, a long day for UTM. Sagan Robbins knows several of the principals on this team, having played with them over the last couple of years, guys. Is that a distinct advantage for UTM as they come in here? A little bit, maybe, uh, just because she knows the the system that Walls runs, and she did get to see a couple of these players that may have registered last year on the practice squad last year, so she's still familiar with their style of play. Um, but I think the fact that these two teams have played each other every year for the past nine years, as either Jeff or Casey mentioned, they're they're pretty familiar with each other. So this it's not two strangers going up uh, against each other completely blind let's point out that this was one that walls this game was one walls had to go fishing for because it wasn't originally on the schedule we were originally scheduled to play bellerman tomorrow bellerman postponing things of course for a while so walls uh there was bobbler out there got a nibble from utm and pulled them into the kfc m center and certainly i think it'll be a contest which brings me to our next aspect, guys. Prediction time. Prediction time for UTM versus the Skyhawks of Louisville. What kind of scores will we come up with? Uh, I'll go ahead and start it out. Y'all can build off what I said. I see us having a good effort, scoring lots of points. I'm going to go with 92 to 61 is my prediction for this game. 92-61. Case, you took it last game. What do you think this game? You know, I keep underselling Louisville on scoring. Um, and, you know, there's just – it's tough with not knowing anything about uh, UT Martin. They scored 70 points a game, 71 points a game last year. Louisville is just so good. I think I'm going to stick with their current averages 
I think that the safest play is to go with Louisville's averages in points per game and opponent points per game. I'm going 97-62. Ninety-seven sixty-two at a case. Jared, are are we overestimating this? Are we going to see that many points? What's your thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's a trap game. As Case mentioned, coming off the big win, and then the next game on the schedule is ACC play. Uh, we haven't gotten to see UT Martin, and UT Martin did run with us, as you mentioned, a double overtime last year. I think our offense is still going to perform very highly. Uh, so maybe not another 116-point performance, performance, but I, I could see the cards you know, in a tough one, kind of pulling ahead down the stretch. We'll say 90 to... Is 98-78 out of Jared. Uh, our score progression has gotten higher since last yeah. week. <laughs> <It was>. has. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Two games in a row over 100, you know. <laughs> Jeff, uh, are we pretty much online here? Have you got a different take on this one? I, I, I'm kind of going to go the same direction with it. I'm going to say about 96 to, uh, let's call it 72. Um uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous for UTM a little bit maybe, but uh, you know we'll see. There it's it is. Shot, also shot uh, in the dark. Yeah, uh, we'll also we'll kind of open this up on the website tomorrow too. Maybe Jeff and uh, invite people to put in the comments section their thoughts on it. We'll see if we can get the response that we did. Uh, certainly for the game against the very talented DePaul Blue Demons, where we had a nice uh, ten people. Right. The Cardinal Couple crew, to our credit, we led the way. Which right. is, it was terrible. Nobody was anywhere close. Yeah, but, yeah, we, but we were the you. we were the top four. Yeah, yeah, nobody Arthur expected. Right too. Nobody yeah, expected us to hit the century in the third quarter. So you know, no, no, no. My favorite. I mean, thing Arthur was, actually was closest to the total score, ninety-one. Yeah, that was my favorite thing was that Arthur was closest to Louisville's score and was still twenty-five points off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, some days the shots just fall. Uh, but uh, so we'll see what kind of response we get on this. Certainly, uh, we'll have some fun with it as we always do. I think it's a fun little feature, kind of adds a little interest to the game. So Jared can proudly announce, We're at the pace, so we're going to score 120 points. And at halftime, I said, You're nuts. And then it did. And we went far off. <laughs> <laughs> if we hadn't stopped scoring. So Jared said we were, this was early in the game after the first quarter. Jared said we were on pace for 122 points. If Louisville hadn't stopped scoring for the last four minutes of the game, I think they would have done it, which is the yeah. most insane thing. It's a terrible 40% shooting. <laughs> we just can't see Un- that. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, hey, we're up on the, the noon hour here, so let's go ahead and roll into some final thoughts on today's show. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it out. I just uh, I, w- I want to say a couple things about the things going on right now with this Louisville team, first of all, the precautions that this squad has to go through just in order to get out on the court are unlike any we've ever seen right now. Testing, isolation. They were talking about how they came in from the airport, were taken directly to the hotel and quarantined except for meals until several hours before the game. Uh, so unlike things of the way they used to be. When uh, when I was done at UT Martin a couple of years ago, the players were roaming the hallways playing with with a racquetball, okay? So th- things have changed a lot on that. The, the, the second thing is 
Jeff Walls is a one happy man these days, guys, because he's able to do something that he's getting paid to do and something that he loves to do, and that's coach basketball games. Uh, a lot of programs aren't in that suit right now, so hats off to the University of Louisville for keeping our kids safe on the women's basketball program. Uh, certainly a job well done. Uh, Jeff, what do you got for me? Yeah, uh, just a just a reminder that the game last night was part of the Jimmy V Women's Classic. It's uh, you know obviously a, a fundraiser for the Jimmy V Foundation, uh, which is obviously uh, fighting cancer research named after Jim Jim Bobano. Um, and uh, there was some uh, not wagering, some com- commitments to contribute funds to uh, like a walk-a-thon. the foundation. Yeah, based on uh, the performance of the team. Style and um, auction, yeah. Yeah, you know, Rebecca Lobo and uh, Ryan Rico uh, committed $50 for every three-pointer made, which was not all that many because <laughs> neither team shot all that well from three. Um, but uh, Coach Walls and Coach and Coach Bruno uh, contrib- uh, committed, I believe, to $50 for every three-pointer to match that and for every uh, assist in the game, which that added up to a significantly bigger chunk of money with uh, – 36 assists total in the game. So, uh, yeah, Walls jokingly talked about ha- uh, contributing 75 dollars for every three pointer that DePaul missed, which actually also ended up being a pretty decent chunk of money if if he's actually going to follow through with that. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. He might. That's that's something that he might do. It's just two years. Thought it was kind of funny in the post game too, where Doug Bruno talked about how much he thought he was going to pay. And he said, but don't tell my wife she doesn't know anything about it yet. And then, <laughs> and then he, you could kind of tell he was grinning underneath his mask, and he finally said, she knows all about it, and she's all in favor of it. Yeah, yeah. Jared, thoughts? Just glad we still get to, to have basketball right now. It's been been tough year, and there's so much uncertainty. And as Jeff Wall said, each game is kind of a blessing. So. Let's just keep hoping for the best, and that we get to keep watching some some basketball, and maybe see uh, ourselves holding up a, a trophy in early spring. Thankful indeed is the word. Absolutely so. Case, what's on your mind on this? Yeah, talking about uh, Jeff has been talking about the the camaraderie on the team and the teamwork and the the leadership and what we've seen out of the team so far uh, in just this short season to this point and. Uh, I was on Twitter as we were coming up to the end of the show and Dana last night had tweeted about how proud she was of Olivia Cochran for another double-double and someone replied and said that she was a a great leader on and off the court and she said she's ready to lead this team to the natty so you know what's on UofL's players mind it's good to know that that Dana Evans sees and accepts and is ready for that leadership role because that's just as important as the skills on and off the court of being a leader is is knowing that you're thrust into that role and accepting it and putting forth the best of your ability as a leader so she's ready she's in the right mindset the whole team i'm sure is in the same mindset in in chasing that national championship and i think that if if we get to an ncaa tournament which i think by all accounts everyone's trying to do um from an ncaa perspective if, if we get to that point then i think that louisville women's basketball is in a prime position to to fight for that first national championship in program history. So 
we'll see. I, I'm I'm excited. This this season, last night in particular, has has got me really excited for the remainder of UL women's basketball season. And to use an old overworked term from your lips to the powers that be ears case. Let's hope that that does come through. Anyway, certainly want to thank everybody for joining in today. We'll have several ways you can listen to the rebroadcast in case you want to hear our lunacy again later on. And we'll have those posted up there. Until then, uh, Jared said yesterday he was going to go home and practice playing the euphonium. So you're, you're ready to give us a song, right, Jared? Oh, no, I'm still getting my chops in shape. I need a, a couple more weeks. It's been a while. No, okay, just don't spit, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. don't, don't spit. Coronavirus <laughs> precautions, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you wear a mask and play that thing? That's the the next question. I just had some doubts there. But we'll see you next week here on the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. In case you know something we don't, we hope to see you then. And everybody have a great week and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Mm-hmm.